Hello, my brothers and sisters. It is uh, another Thursday. We want to thank you for joining us as far as what we call uh, Thursday, our Thursday teaching. We thank God for each and every one of you who is able to uh, be a part of the conversation that we will be having as far as today's lesson is concerned. And uh, as we prepare to move uh, as far as this time of teaching is concerned, we want to focus today on um, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. It is very rich in the sense of uh, the depth uh, that I want to take you all as far as our time is concerned uh, with this conversation as the Apostle Peter is in the process of really coming to grips with his own personal mortality. But before we um, get started in that, I want us to, if we could, let's have a word of prayer as we uh, sense and seek what it is that the Lord would like to do as far as this conversation, this time is concerned. God, we come and we thank you uh, for the life and for the legacy of the Apostle Peter and how he has allowed for pen to be placed to parchment and to give lift as far as this moment of teaching is concerned. Now, God, for all of those that are watching us online, I pray that this teaching will soak into their spirits that it will give them what they need to become better disciples for thee. So, Lord, if you would, allow for the Holy Spirit, the ultimate teacher, to come and teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of Jesus, we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. So uh, what I would like to do is, uh, for the time that is mine, I want to read verses 12 through 15. I want you all to highlight or underline or circle certain words as we do what I call our deep dive. And then from there, we will do uh, explanation and um, exposition as far as this is concerned. These four verses are pregnant with purpose with passion um, and also with practice because Peter is keenly aware that his time on earth is short. And this is what he tells his secretary or his scribe to write down. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things 
after my decease. So, verse 12, let's um, mark this passage up. For this reason, I will not be negligent. If you would highlight the word be negligent uh, to remind you, and if you would highlight the word, uh, well, circle the word remind. To remind you always of these things, though you know, if you would, highlight you know, and are established, highlight the word establish. In the present truth, if you would underline that phrase, the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, if you will, circle the word tent, to stir you up by reminding you, if you will, circle the words reminding you, then draw a line from reminding you in verse 13 to remind in verse 12. Verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, circle the word tent, then draw a line from the word tent in verse 14 to the word tent in verse 13. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. If you would, underline that phrase, our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. If you would, circle the word decease. And if you would, circle the word reminder and then draw a line from the word reminder in verse 15 to reminding in verse 13. Now, to those that are taking part in this um, moment of study, one of the things that you can pick up, one of the nuances that you can pick up is that Peter is aware that his death is imminent, that his death is near. And there are some words that really stick out as far as this particular section of Scripture is concerned, words like reminding you. What is it that Peter is reminding them? Uh, What is it that Peter wants to keep drilling down? Uh, I want to contend that when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to Um, helping people to understand what it means to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Interestingly, you have to go over the basics over and over and over and over again, almost ad nauseum. Why? Because many of us don't get it the first time around. So, um, What Peter is doing, knowing that his days were numbered, he wanted his readers to understand that I got to keep telling you what it means to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He he, he was not suggesting that they were wavering in their faith, but rather... uh, He said they did know the truths he wrote, 
and he was aware that they were firmly established in those truths. Here's a problem with church in 21st century, which I believe leads to what is called now the nuns and the duns. The problem is in many churches today is not that believers do not know what God expects of them, but either they forget what God expects of them or they don't want to live what God tells them to do. Okay? So, let's unpack just this verse by itself. For this reason, I will not be negligent. I want to continue to remind you of the things that you need to know and that you are established in this present truth. Now, I don't know about anybody that's watching me right now, but when I was in middle school and high school, or junior high and high school, I played basketball. And I played basketball uh, up until my 10th grade year. And one of the things that, um, when it comes to basketball, that to get better, you had to practice. And you had to practice consistently. Now, if the sports analogy doesn't work with you, let me use the singing analogy. One of the things that I have to give our minister of music, Brother Scott Gibson, credit for is that he is tenacious when it comes to practice. Uh, he is a perfectionist. And those that are in our music ministry know how much of a perfectionist he will be. But here is why. Because oftentimes, you got to get the fundamentals right. You got to get the fundamentals right. If you don't get the fundamentals right, you can practice, but you can practice wrong. And if you practice wrong, you're going to wind up doing wrong because guess what? You execute what you practice. So, any outstanding coach or, or any outstanding teacher is going to constantly review what? The basics, the fundamentals. Okay? We as believers must never neglect the fundamentals of the faith, even as you go deeper into the Word of God. And, and just like an athlete needs constant practice, just as a person that's singing need constant reminders or practice, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ need constant reminders of the fundamental of our faith and of how we came to believe in the first place. We cannot allow for ourselves to become bored or impatient with messages on the doctrines of Christian living. We got to be like the athlete. We got to continue to practice. And we got to continue to refine the fundamentals. Michael Jordan did not become great just by showing up on the basketball court and playing basketball. That as gifted as he was, he practiced. LeBron James, as gifted as he is, he practiced. There's a story about Charlie Parker. Uh, and, and anyone that knows anything about Charlie Parker, he was one of those great jazz blue musicians back in the 40s and 50s. And he was talented, just naturally gifted. But he lacked what was necessary to put him over the top. Why? Because he would just show up 
and rely on his gift rather than practice. And so he removed himself from playing for different clubs for, I think I read, a period of 18 months to two years where all he did was practice. Practice what? The fundamentals. And then when he came back, he came back strong and better than ever. Here is why so many of us as Christians fall to the wayside because we don't rehearse the basic tenets of the faith. Okay? Peter wanted to remind them not to allow their salvation to become a license for bad living. He wanted to remind them you can't become content in just knowing the gospel without obeying the gospel and applying the gospel. All right? Because when the pressure cooker is on, when persecution increases, when you have false teachers that are spewing uh, crazy doctrine, if you are not anchored in your faith, you will fall for anything. This is why, unfortunately, and I have to speak to the black church particularly, this is why we lose folks to Jehovah Witnesses. This is why we lose people to the Nation of Islam. This is why we lose some folks to the Hebrew Israelites. This is why we lose some folks to uh, different sects of uh, religion or black religious identity groups. It's because... Our people, number one, many of them don't know the basics. Or number two, if they know it, they don't keep practicing it and rehearsing it and allowing for it to become part of their DNA. Okay? And, and, and I say this because I have discovered, I know when I first came to St. Paul, I shut down Sunday school for about 14 weeks. And I taught basic doctrine. CEO is just basic doctrine. And I was surprised. And how many folks did not understand basic doctrine of the faith and basic doctrine and tenets of what it means to be Baptist? It was mind-blowing. Now, somebody is saying, well, uh, why is that so important? Because it anchors you. It anchors you. It anchors you. Many of our behaviors can be uh, traced back to what we believe. And if we don't know what we believe, we'll do anything. So guess what? Teaching is so important. Doctrine is so important. Knowing what you appreciate about your faith is very, very important. And so this is what we see um, Peter driving home to the readers as far as this letter is concerned. He is encouraging believers then he is encouraging us now to stand firm on the basics of our faith and to remind them of the truths that they believe and to reestablish themselves in those truths that they have been taught. When you are taught well, you will practice well, and when you practice well, you will live well. This is why teaching is so important. And this is why you cannot rely on the preaching of the gospel only that our discipleship is developed 
within the cauldron of teaching is developed within that cauldron, okay? So here is Peter explaining that he knew that the believers then were established in the truth. I'm concerned that in today's culture, many people that come to church are not established in the truth. But he says they were established in the truth. That word established um, helps us to understand that this is not something that just happens one time, but you have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again. Okay? As a matter of fact, Peter heard this phrase when Jesus used the form of it when he told Peter, listen, Simon desires to have you because he wants to sift, uh, Satan desires to have you, Simon, because he wants to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail you, and when you have repented or come back, Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Knowing or being established in the truth is a source of spiritual strength. Our strength, our knowledge of who God is, comes from us studying the word as well as what? Living the word, obeying the word, practicing the word. Here again... It goes back to us being like an athlete, continuing to practice and refining our technique. All right? Now, let's look at verse 13. As we move on, we see that Peter is expecting that his life is going to be coming to an end soon. So he says that I think it's right that as long as I'm in this tent, that word tent refers to his body, his earthly body. That as long as I'm in this tent to stir, up, stir you up by reminding you, and as we talk about reminding you, he is reminding them what? Of the tenets of the faith. Okay. In other words, this word remind basically means to wake up, to arouse, to refresh about the basic truths of the faith as long as he lives. He used this image of a tent that kind of sort of goes back to what Paul said. Um, and I believe that it's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, uh, Paul writes, uh, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he says, for we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, let's talk about a tent because you got to understand a tent ain't permanent. A tent is temporary. 
okay? It, it is not meant for you to live in a tent forever and a day. A tent means that you are what? Nomadic, that you move from place to place. And wherever you move to a new place, you got to establish a tent. Now, one thing about a tent is, different from a house, is that when a tent get a hole in it, you're in trouble, okay? You got to patch up that tent quick, fast, and in a hurry, all right? Um, a tent is not as sturdy as a house. And so a tent really represents the temporary transitory aspect of living in this frail human body. As beautiful as your body is, as muscular as your body is, as tight as you think your body is, it ain't nothing but a tent. And Peter reminds us of how temporary our flesh is. But he is saying, as long as I'm in this flesh, guess what? I'm going to continue to remind you of the truths that you need to know that God, through Jesus Christ, has given to me. Now watch this. In verse 14, he says, knowing that surely I must put off my tent. He is talking about how one day he's going to have to give up this temporary body. How one day he's going to die. How one day he's going to have to fold up his tent and call it a day. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Peter knew that death was coming. He knew it. He knew it. Many years before, Jesus had prepared him for the kind of death that he was going to be facing. Uh, the wonderful thing that Peter had that many of us don't have is that he knew that he would be old when he would face death. Well, where is that found? If you read in John chapter 21, remember Peter had denied Jesus Three times. Turned his back on Jesus, denied Jesus, was nowhere at the cross. As a matter of fact, he had gone back to fishing. He had returned to his old occupation. Remember, Jesus had called him from the fishing business to become a fisher of people. And at this moment, in John chapter 21, Peter has gone right back to where God had delivered him from. And so when Jesus shows up, he reconciles Peter back to the fold. Uh, he questions Peter and says, hey, listen, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. And then he tells Peter, uh, when you were younger, when you were old, younger, you were able to put your own clothes on. You can move however you want to, but when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hand and somebody else is going to gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this was Jesus speaking about the death that Peter would endure that will glorify God. Now, Christian tradition has it that Peter was crucified on the cross, all right? Uh, tradition has it that he was martyred for his faith around 68 A.D. And 
while he was crucified, Peter did not want to be crucified right side up. He wanted to be crucified upside down because he felt like he did not have the right or the worthiness to die in the same manner that Jesus did. So he said, listen, if I'm going down the cross, it's not going to be like how Jesus did. It's going to be in a way that will show that I'm not worthy to duplicate the same death that Jesus had. So he was aware that this time was going to come. Let's look at verse 15. He says, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you will always have a reminder, a reminder of the things after my decease. So, let's look at what he's talking about here, how you're going to have a reminder of the things after my decease. Here, at this particular moment, there are several ways that we can look at this. What does that reminder look like? Many biblical scholars contend that Peter was the key resource for the gospel of Mark. John Mark was not part of the original 12 apostles. However, the gospel of Mark is considered to be the oldest gospel by which Matthew and Luke borrow information to write their gospels. So, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered to be what we call synoptic gospels because they have more in common with each other than the gospel of John. The gospel of John is considered to be a non-synoptic gospel because when you read John, John got a whole bunch of stuff that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't even record. And John writes from a different angle than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. However, Matthew and Luke borrow information from Mark as the basis of their gospels, and they write from there. So, it is believed that Peter basically provided the information for Mark to write a lot of his gospel, okay? So, that's one way of having a reminder of these things. Another way of having a reminder of these things are these letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, all right? These written testimonies of truths that were so close to Peter's spirit. And when you read First and Second Peter, one thing you're going to see him focus on is biblical, is doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. Now, why am I hammering doctrine and teaching? Because guess what? It becomes the foundation for our faith. And, and I'm mighty afraid that in today's culture, many of us don't have good foundation when it comes to our faith, all right? Unfortunately, we pull in stuff from uh, YouTube and social media and all these crazy stuff that's not part 
of the historical teachings of the church that is connected to the person of Jesus Christ. Let, let me just say this. Anybody that tells you that you don't have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, run. <laughs> run fast. As a matter of fact, anybody who has issues with the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, run. Run fast. Anybody who has an issue with the doctrine of Trinity, run. Run fast. Okay? Uh, anybody who tells you that Jesus through God is not concerned about your body, only your soul, run. Run fast. Jesus is concerned about the natural as well as the eternal. All right? Um, so these are biblical truths that have been passed down by people who had a direct, intimate connection with Jesus Christ. All right? And what you see in the writings of Peter is that Peter wants to be very intent about teaching those biblical truths, about teaching those, what, doctrines. All right? So he writes these letters. He writes these letters. One thing is clear. Peter wanted to be sure that the Lord's people would never forget God's work and God's word. All right? Now, we see that he uses this word deceased. That word deceased basically uh, in the Greek is exodon, which is where we get the word exodus. The word exodus basically means you're moving from what? One place to another. Peter was preparing to leave the earthly body to move into the eternal body. Okay. He's getting ready to leave his earthly tent to go to his what? Heavenly home. So he knew that his time was near. And, and, and what I like about Peter is that the nuance you get is that you get in this text, he is not afraid to die. He's rather fearless. He's relatively calm. Um, he knew it was coming. He knew it was right around the corner. And yet we do not see any exaggeration or excitement in the text about his pending death. Let me drill down and let's call it a day. How can we ensure that generations will remember Jesus and how important he is to us individually? In other words, and here's what I want to drill home to our parents, grandparents, and maybe even great-grandparents who are watching us as far as your children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren are concerned. And here's the challenge I want to issue to you right now. Will your faith, your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ survive in your family after you're dead? Because I want to contend that the reason why we have the nuns and the duns in the church today 
is because a lot of you all didn't pass down your faith. You came to church, but you didn't pass it down at home. You came to church, but um, one thing some of you all said, I'm not going to raise my child like I was raised. I'm not going to make them go to church. I want them to come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is on their own. Guess what? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. It doesn't. A lot of the stuff that we get, we get through osmosis by being in the environment, by being in the place, by being in the space. I, I, I would even dare say, I know I may get in trouble for this, that probably one of the most damaging things that has hurt us is picking up certain models where we have developed these things called children church and youth church. When I was growing up, there wasn't no such thing as children church and youth church. We all sat in church together. And while we did not understand all that was going on, and while some of us when we were younger, we snickered and we laughed at the folks who were dancing and shouting, but guess what? The older we got, we started repeating that same thing. We were in the house. We were in the place. We were getting some stuff through the teaching. Okay? The problem with children's church and, and youth church in today's culture is if it's not done right, you will have children and youth that will grow up who think that church is meant to be fun rather than fundamental. And when that happens, when they get to be about 17, 18 years old, they're going to stop coming to church. Because guess what? They will not know how to uh, act in adult church. All right? So, so, how can you make sure that your faith is going to hold when you go? Number one, you need to talk to your children and your grandchildren. And, 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 and let me drop this on you. Grandparents, you can have a lot of influence on your grandkids, especially when it comes to the faith. Especially when they become teenagers. Keep talking to them about God. Talk to them about the goodness of Jesus. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Okay? Keep it simple. Guess what you need to do? When your child is baptized, you need to take that certificate, frame it, put it on their wall. If they're doing something in church and it's in a bulletin or, or picture, capture that as pictures. Create a scrap, scrapbook. Show them how they used to behave in church. Record those important dates. Record that baptism in a Bible. Another thing you can do, and we do it well in this social media age, you know, pull out your phone. Record them when they're doing something in church. Okay? Record them when they're doing something in church. And then you can also, when you're going through a tough time, create a video log. Tell them how rough it can be. Tell them that sometimes being a Christian is not easy. That it's a struggle. Talk to them about how you came to faith. If you leave your kids something, the first thing you need to do in your testament or your will is talk about God. <laughs> What better legacy you can live, leave than faith in God through Jesus Christ? All right? Now, I know this is going to be hard for some folks to swallow. Plan your funeral so that everybody know what you want done. 
Plan your funeral. All right? Plan your funeral. And demonstrate assurance that your future with God is really the source of your joy. That your eternal future with God is what anchors you. That's what holds you. Um, and, and, and this is what this is what Peter is really trying to drive home. He wants to make sure that every effort is given so that we as believers will remember the things of the faith. Okay? Want to make sure that we have the foundation that as we continue to live, we can build upon but understand what that basic foundation is, and that is the apostles' teaching. Because guess what? It was the Christians of old that got us to where we are right now. Let me say that again. It was the Christians of old. This thing started with one man and a band of 12 disciples. And that 12 went to 70. That 70 went to 500. That, that, that 500 ultimately went to 3,000. That 3,000 in the book of Acts ultimately went to 5,000. And so on and so on and so on. And it spread it throughout the Roman Empire and Asia Minor and Africa. To now, Christianity is still the largest monotheistic religion in the world. And it is growing faster on the continents of Asia, Africa, and South America. Okay? It's growing very fast, Asia, Africa, and South America. That, that's where Christianity is really on fire. It's kind of declining in the United States and Canada, just like it did in Europe. But in Asia, Africa, and South America, Christianity is spreading. Why? Because people are being taught the basic tenets of the faith. And they have a hunger and they have a desire to know God on a deep and an intimate level. And so as I close at this time, I want to put this challenge to you like Peter wrote. I want you to have a reminder of these things because one day all of us are going to die. What reminder will people have after your decease? What reminder of the Christian faith will your family have, will your friends have, will people that you encounter have, that your church will have after your decease? The greatest legacy you can leave anybody it's not money, it's not life insurance policy, uh, it's not a house, it's not a car, it's not your clothes. The greatest legacy you can leave someone is the fundamentals of a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, those other things are fine, but the greatest legacy you can leave is someone the tenants of the faith, the tenets 
are the foundation of what has kept you when you could not keep yourself. Well, I will close right there for now, and we will pick up uh, in our next study at verse 16 through verse 21, which is going to be so rich and so deep. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to drilling down as far as that's concerned. Um, but for right now, we will close our lesson at this time. And, and as we close our lesson at this time, I, I want to, um, again, encourage you that as we prepare to close, you have a wonderful opportunity to give here at St. Paul Church. You can give by either dropping off your cash or check uh, here at the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Just call the church and make sure someone is here to receive your offering, and we'll put it in the safe and make sure it's counted. Uh, and that number is 704-334-5309. The other thing you can do is uh, mail your check or money order to the church, or you can go online and give through our website through either ACS or Church Life. Then finally, you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, you can download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in that moment, in three clicks, you can give. So I want to thank you because you all have been very, very generous, very, very gracious as far as your giving is concerned. Um, during these 15 months, as far as uh, being in the pandemic, there has been a blessing to uh, people in the church as well as outside the church. And I want to commend you, St. Paul, as well as our friends, for helping us to do things that we could not do in and of ourselves. God will bless you, I guarantee, in ways you would never imagine. And a lot of times, the, the blessing does not come in monetary form, but it comes in forms that you couldn't even begin to understand. Well, we look forward to you all joining us as far as um, broadcast on Sunday is concerned. This past Sunday, we allowed for 120 people because it was Pentecost Sunday to join us, and it was great to see people in. Uh, but we will not be opening up the church for the public this Sunday. And so I want to reiterate that. Uh, we will not be opening up the church for the public this Sunday. Um, but we will be doing some soft openings every now and then until we open back up fully with continuity. And um, as we work out these kinks, I'll let you know when we're going to open up for certain groups to come and join us. So guess what? One of the best ways you can find out about when we're going to do that, tune in for Bible study. We're going to let you know right here uh, when we do that. Amen. God bless you all. Have a smile upon you. Take care and be blessed. And join us either on Facebook Live, on our church website, on YouTube, on the telephone to hear or see what God is going to do in our worship experience.